Hallelujah. We'll open with a prayer before Pastor Obadiah's teaching. Our daily Bible schedule has us in the apocryphal book of Tobin. It's a hidden writing not found in today's KJV canon, which makes it difficult to find. But I pray you locate Tobin's book. I'm not sure why it didn't make the final canon cut as it was in the original 1611 KJV. And it's good scripture in my opinion. Tobit's Hebrew name means Yahuwah is good. And he's a hero in a story about a pious family taken captive into Nineveh, but remained faithful to Torah precepts on giving alms and burying the dead. I'm not spoiling any more of the story for those who haven't read it, but it's better than any soap opera or reality TV show I've ever seen. So please check out Tobit's story, and you'll probably want to read it in one sitting. I enjoy looking for prayers in Apocrypha and found a prayer in tomorrow's reading of chapter 13. So prior to Pastor Obadiah's teaching, I'll share this adapted version of it. Blessed be Yahuwah Elohim that lives forever, and blessed be his kingdom. For he scourges and has mercy. He casts us down into the netherworld and brings us up from the great abyss. No one escapes his hand. Praise him, Bet Yeshurun, where his children of Israel, who he scattered among nations. He has shown us his kindness while we were enslaved in the world. Let us declare his greatness and extol him before all the living, for he is our Adonai, our Elohim, and our Father forever. While he indeed scourges us for our iniquities, he mercifully gathers us from the nations among whom he scattered us. If we turn to Yah with our whole heart and with our whole mind to deal uprightly, he'll turn unto us and not hide his face. Look and see what Yah is doing with us at that Yeshurun. Confess him with our whole mouth. Praise our Adonai of might and extol our everlasting king. In this land of captivity called America, let Bet Yeshurun praise Yah by declaring his might and majesty in our sinful nation. As those who at times fall woefully short of Yah's way, we indeed return on to him. Who can tell if he'll accept us and have mercy upon us again? As for me, I'll extol my Elohim. My soul shall praise the King of heaven, and I shall rejoice in his greatness. O Bet Yeshurun, let us all speak of his righteousness as his holy assembly, that he may continue to show mercy upon this house of the upright. All praise to Adonai, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Praise our king with joy as he rebuilds his tabernacle at Bet Yeshurun. As Yah's bright light shines to all parts of the earth, many come from afar to Yahuwah Elohim with gifts in hand, even gifts to the king of heaven. Cursed be any that hate Yah, and blessed be all generations that praise and love him forever. O Bet Yeshurun, rejoice and be glad, for we bring our gifts unto Yah this Sabbath, within this sanctuary or on the internet. Yes, we gather to bless our Adonai in obedient love of Elohim, to reside in his peace and to be glad forever to see all of Elohim's glory. O Bet Yeshurun, our great king is rebuilding us with precious stones of sapphires and emeralds, He's rebuilding our walls, towers, and battlements with pure gold and repaving our streets with barrel. 
carbuncle, and stones of Ophir. For that, we say hallelujah, and blessed be Elohim forever. So Heavenly Father, now bless our pastor this Sabbath as he sows much seed upon the ground and plants many trees at Bet Yeshurun. May these take root to sprout and bear much spiritual fruit. And may these plantings find grace in your sight through this teaching from your servant, Obadiah. Bless him and us with your Ruach HaKodesh, and may your son, Yahushua, open a path into your presence through his sacrifice as we diligently pray in his name today. Hallelujah and amen. amen. Hallelujah. I'm saying your personal prayers before getting started. Heavenly Abba, Yahweh, I just pray that this day you see your rock congregation my way. Even at this very moment, sending within me to abide as I strive to lead and guide your flock into the green pastures of your word. Causing them to bring to memory all the things I've heard during my study time with you and to fill to my lips that nothing escapes in myself that which is good and true. Therefore, from the lesson this day, Father, I do pray that you allow your flock to feed freely. Not that they might be impressed with me, but that they may be blessed by thee. Only pray that you utilize me to illuminate the darkness with your words, light that it displaces and frightened and to strengthen their hands that they might fight to enter into thy kingdom. Therefore, for me, for me this day, I do pray that you allow your light to shine extra bright. Again, not that they might see me, but that they may find you, the one in whom all glory and honor is due. Yahoo, my Ellen King, I pray that you accept from me this day my offering. In Yahushua's name. Hallelujah. All right. Um, some of you may have caught the hint. We're going to be exploring the story of Israel today. You know, uh, we, done, we went over uh, the story of Moshe. You know, I showed him to be a servant of the Most High and some of the things that uh, a servant must endure, you know, and correlation to his three stages of life, his three periods of testament trials, his three sets of 40, if you would. Um, but he was truly Yah's servant, but he was used to serve Israel. So we're going to take a look at the story of Israel. We're going to explore the story of Israel and see what we can gather. You know, first and foremost, I want you to recognize that Israel is the son of Elohim. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is a very important thing to understand, you know, because this is even the end goal, if you would. This is this is where we're trying to get to. You know, consider Exodus 4.22, it says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Yahuwah, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So you see, Israel was truly the son of Elohim, the son of Yahuwah. Deuteronomy 14.1 also bears witness. It says, Ye are the children of Yahuwah, speaking of Israel. Ye are the children of Yahuwah, your Elohim, ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. You know, when you're the sons of Elohim, when, you, when you're a son of Elohim, you, you can't do everything that the world does. I mean, you have to remain 
in the will, way, and purposes of Yah. Like father, like son. Amen. You know, so you can't act like the sons of the world if you're the son of Elohim. Psalms 82.6 also bears witness and says, I said, you are gods. You are all children of the most high. You know, and so I pray that you can see from this that Israel truly was the son of Elohim. Now let us consider uh, Romans 8. Because Romans 8 actually speaks to our end goal, which is likewise. You know, let me have my first reader read Romans 8, 12 through 17, please. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the ruach do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the ruach of Elohim, they are the sons of Elohim. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received a ruach of adoption, whereby weary, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The ruach itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of Elohim, and of children then heirs, heirs of Elohim, and joint heirs with Messiah. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be also glorified together. Hallelujah. Okay, so hereby, Apostle Paul teaches that we're, that we're to be led by the Ruach HaKodesh. That is, um, in order to become the sons of Elohim. Hence he says, for as many as led by the Ruach of Elohim, they are the sons of Elohim. So this teaches us that we're to be led by Ruach HaKodesh. Um, you know, and if we do so, we'll become the sons of Elohim and that the Ruach's leadership will lead us into suffering and the mortification of the deeds of the body. You know, so because we are in these flesh bodies, you know, for us to be led by the, the Ruach, you know, it is suffering because our bodies and our carnal nature war against the will of Elohim. And so there's this constant battle that's going on within us. You know, you have to understand, like, you know, when you really get into this thing and you really start walking this, this way, you know, you, you begin to realize that there's two aspects of you. There's the fleshly aspect and the spiritual aspect, you know, and they're constantly at odds with one another. Well, someone's going to win, you know. And so becoming sons of Elohim is all about the son of Elohim winning, right? You know, so take note that the sufferings are the integral part of becoming sons of Elohim. You can't get around suffering in this flesh in becoming sons and daughters of Elohim. You can't get around it. So many people like to get, want to get around it, but you can't get around it. You know, take heed as he continues to teach upon this subject. In verses 18 through 20, um, 23, my next reader, please. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. <laughs> 
which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of Elohim. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of Elohim. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Ruach, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Hallelujah. All right, so you see the earnest expectation of the creature waiting for the manifestation of the sons of Elohim. So hereby we learn that to become sons of Elohim complete with eternal bodies is the end goal. This is what we're working towards, folks. This is the end goal, and the story of Israel holds the key to obtaining that objective. You know, for it'll be very difficult at best and impossible at worst to understand the plan of Elohim concerning his sons without the story of Israel. For it is the very key to understanding the brick kind of shot. There's an old saying that says, you know, the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. You know, or vice versa, one of them. But suffice it to say, you need both in order to understand either one. And they're keys to each other's lock, you know. You know, so you have the keys to the brick Kadashah in the Old Testament, and you have the keys to the Old Testament in the brick Kadashah, you know, or the New Testament writings. You know, so you you can't throw either set out, and this is what we see, you know, um, so prevalent today, you know, uh, with the Yahudim, they throw out the brick Kadashah, you know, or the New Testament writings, and then you have many other, uh, other New Testament uh saints who throw out all of Torah, you know, and all this does is guarantees that they will never understand because you need both. There's no way around it. So that said, let us explore the story of Israel that we might understand Yahushua HaMashiach because at the end of the day, Yahushua was an Israelite, was he not? You know, and it seems like a lot of New Testament believers forget that fact. You know, they forget the fact that Yahushua was an Israelite, is an Israelite, the king of the Israelites, in fact. Amen? You know, so let us understand the story of Israel. Now, this is where the story begins. Back in Genesis 32. It says, and Yaakov was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So, what does Yaakov's name tell us about him? So, we'll start there. Yaakov means to supplant. That is, one who supersedes another by force or by treachery. That is, one who takes another's place. You know, so, you know, if you're going to supplant someone, you're going to take their place. You know, and sometimes it's by force or treachery. Sometimes it's just... It's by neither. You just take their place because it's available. Amen? You know, now, this passage teaches us that Yaakov is also um, a wrestler. 
because we read, and there wrestled with a man. So he was a wrestler, you know. Now, but what needs to be understood is that wrestling isn't just something that Yaakov did. It was his very nature. For he'd been doing it even before he was born, quite literally. When we read in Genesis 25, 22, and 23 concerning his mother having him and his brother in her womb, you know, we read this, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And he went, and she went to inquire of Yahuwah. So we see that Yaakov and Esau was wrestling even before they came out the womb. You know, they were struggling together way, way, way back when, even at the very beginning, at the commencement of their um, even when they were conceived, amen. You know, uh, verse 23 goes on to say, Yahuwah said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And one people shall be, the, be stronger than the other people. The elder shall serve the younger. Hence, the younger shall be stronger than the elder. You got that? The younger shall be stronger than the elder. And the elder shall serve the younger. Now, Yaakov wrestles to supplant others. You know, so he was trying to supplant Esau even while he was in the womb. He almost succeeded too. Even when they came out, he had his hand on Esau's heel. Did he not? You know, so he was he was going after him from the womb to the tomb, you know, quite literally. You know, so... Yaakov wrestles to supplant others. That is to take the place of others in his life that, that may have a better position than himself. Mm. And this is very important to understand about Yaakov. You know, Yaakov eventually becomes Israel, i.e. the son of Elohim. Mm. Therefore, if, therefore, one way of becoming a son of Elohim is by becoming Israel. Because if you become Israel, then you automatically become a son of Elohim because Israel is the son of Elohim. Make sense? You know, now, so the question becomes, how can we become Israel? One way is via birth. But understand that just because you were fortunate enough to be born in Israel doesn't guarantee that you will remain an Israelite. Yes, an Israelite can lose his or her citizenship. Mm. An Israelite can be born an Israelite, but that doesn't mean that they'll forever be an Israelite. Mm. Consider Exodus 12, 15 as an example. It says, seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eat of leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So if that soul is cut off from Israel, they cease to be Israel. Can you see that? Uh, another example, Numbers 19.13. Whosoever touches the dead body of a man that is dead and purifieth not himself, defileth the tabernacle of Yahuwah, and that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him, he shall be unclean. His uncleanness is yet upon him. So you see, there was things that could be done that could cause one to lose their citizenship in Israel. Could cause them to cease from being an Israelite. 
and therefore cease from being a son of Elohim. Amen? Can you see that? You know, so, you know, you have a lot of people who like to boast about being a homeborn Israelite. Well, you can lose that. It is possible to lose that. Now, the other way to become an Israelite is to follow the pattern Yaakov said in becoming Israel to begin with. It starts with becoming a Yaakov or supplanter yourself. You know, if you do what Yaakov did, then you too can become an Israelite. You know, and so if you wasn't fortunate enough to be born an Israelite, you can still become an Israelite. You know, you just have to follow the way. You know, and so it starts with becoming a Yaakov or a supplanter. And the first person you, you must supplant is Esau or Edom, your twin brother. And you may say, but Pastor O'Dyer, I don't have a twin. Yeah, you do. We all have a twin. No, Pastor O'Dyer, I do not have a twin. My mom just had me. Nah, you have a twin. You just don't understand. You'll, you'll understand in a minute. Just hold on. You know, consider Genesis 27, 36. It says, and he said, is it not he rightly named Yaakov? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, has thou not reserved a blessing for me? And of course, this is Esau or Edom, and he's speaking to his father. You know, and he's, he's, he's uh, his father Isaac, and he's, he's you know, asking him, do, do you have a spare blessing? You know, because Yaakov supplanted him. Amen? You know, and he supplanted him twice. And if he supplanted him twice, then guess what? You have to supplant him twice. So, let us consider the first way he supplanted him. He took away his birthright. How did he take away his birthright? You know, because he offered him some food when he was hungry. You know, now, all you have to do is wait until your brother, your twin... Um, Esau, Edom is starving and then make a deal with him. Mm. And you too can supplant him mm. and take away his birthright. I got a secret for you. He loves lentils. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's his weak spot. You know. And then secondly, you have to get his blessing. You have to get his blessing. You know, and to get his blessing, you have to fool your blind father into thinking that you're you're him. And you know, I know that sounds difficult, but it's not that hard seeing that he's blind. You know, so. All you got to do is put on his clothes, you know, say lie. Hmm. Now, why did Elohim love Yaakov and hate Esau? Hmm. You know, we're told this in Malachi 1, 2, and 3, and also in Romans uh, 9, 9, 13. 
you know, we're told that Elohim loved Yaakov and hated Esau. But why did he hate Esau? And it's even, you know, it's, it's what Esau represents, you know, spiritually speaking. You know, it's, so if, if you... If you don't understand that, then, you know, you're going to get lost. You're going to think that, you know, Yah just hated an innocent, innocent babe, you know, you know, before it even got going, you know, he hated him. No, that's not the case. It's the spiritual picture that's being pointed out. He hated Esau because of what Esau represented, you know, what he represented. When you consider his name Esau, you know, um, it literally said means they did they made um, it also uh, speaks to him being hairy you know when you read about the account of him receiving his name it was because he was hairy all over you know and Edom you know which is he's also called in scripture speaks to uh, Adami you know or the ground you know and so it speaks of being fleshly you know, he was a hunter. And this is another reason that Yah hated him because he made his living off of killing others. He literally lived by killing others. Because that's what a hunter does. A hunter lives off of the death of others, does he not? You know, and so, you know, this is why he loved Yaakov, because Yaakov, he lived by serving others, because he was a shepherd, a man of the of the field, you know. So he lived by serving others, whereas Esau or Edom lived by killing others. Here it is. You know, he also took wives of the daughters of Canaan, which Yah was not in favor of. He was a fornicator, profane person, which Yah was not in favor of. You know, everything about him speaks to him being worldly, speaks to him being earthly, you know, fleshly. He was a hairy man, hairy all over. Now, you know, where it speaks about, you know, Yaakov being a smooth man. You know, the hair speaks to being worldly as well, or fleshly as well. You know, because your hair is the part of you that's most in the world. If you think about what I'm saying, your hair is the extremity of you that is furthest in the world. It sticks out furthest into the world, you know. Whereas Yaakov was smooth, so he wasn't sticking out in in the world. He he represents the inner man, whereas Esau represents the outer man or the worldly man. Esau represents the inner man or the spiritual man, you know. And it's the worldly man, the fleshly man, the murderer who Yah hates. Mm. And it's the inner man or the spiritual man, the servant, whom Yah loves. You know, so I pray that you can see the spiritual picture, 
You know, that's the only way you're going to understand why Yah hated Esau. Next, the Yaakov or supplanter that's in us must supplant Laban. Because even as Yaakov supplanted Esau or Edom, that's not the only one he supplanted. He also planted, supplanted Laban. We see in Genesis 31, 1, it says, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Yaakov have taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's, he have gotten all his glory. So can you see, can you see that Yaakov actually supplanted Laban in means of glory? Now, Laban, his name means white, and white is a representation of righteousness. And so Laban represents the righteousness of man. You know, and so Yaakov supplanted Laban. He supplanted the righteousness of man with the word of Elohim. Because he was operating off of what Yah told him to do. Amen? When Yah told him it was time to go, that's when Yaakov packed up and went. He was operating off of the word of Elohim. Laban is a picture of the righteousness of man. And so Yaakov supplanted the righteousness of man with the righteousness with himself as the righteousness of Elohim. And he got all of Laban's glory. And Laban and his sons weren't too happy about that. You know, but that's why he had to be a wrestler. So Yah made him right from the beginning. You know, Genesis 32, 24, and Yaakov was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, for the Yaakov or supplanter that's in you to become a son of Elohim, he must be willing to supplant a son of Elohim alone. Now, before you get to verse 24 and verses um, 23 and 22, it tells us that Yaakov sent all his family across the brook. And he stayed behind and he wrestled with the son of Elohim all through the night. So what does that tell us? That tells us that we're not going to get any help from our family or friends in wrestling the son of Elohim through the night. We're on our own. You oftentimes hear people talk about how lonely this, this walk is. And it can get lonely. It can get lonely at times. But understand that this is all a part of it. That it's not by happenstance. It's not, it's not by chance that you're just feeling that way. It's, you're supposed to feel that way. You know, and, and sometimes just knowing that makes it a little bit better. You know, know you're on track. You know, but understand that if you're going to be as Yaakov and become Israel, that is the son of Elohim, then you're going to have to wrestle with this son of Elohim throughout the night. And you're going to have to be willing to do it alone. Can't employ any help. Now, even by wrestling throughout the night of this life, until the break of day because this life is just like one long night 
you know, hence the scripture says, you know, we look through a dim glass darkly, you know, because it's dark, you know, and, you know, we don't fully see things, you know, we see shapes and we see, you know, uh, forms and things of that nature and we're able to see some parts, you know, but understand that we're not to give up. Even as Yaakov didn't get up, give up, we're to wrestle all throughout the night, even until the break of day. The break of day just speaks to when Yahshua comes back, you know, because he is the light of the world. Now, the only catch is, like Yaakov, you can't let go of this son of Elohim until you receive your blessing. So you have to hold on all the way until you receive your blessing. If you let go prematurely, then you won't become Israel. You know, so this is how the Gentiles who weren't homeborn Israelites become Israelites. Even by taking the place of a homeborn Israelite. Now, let's take a, uh, a look at a couple examples of this notion spoken in scripture. One is found in Romans 11, 17 through 22. Can I my next reader read Romans 11, 17 through 22? And if some of the <clears throat> branches he broken off, and the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and if some of the branches he broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, went with grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the fruit root, but the root be. Thou will say, then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of the unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, but not high-minded, but fear. For if Elohim spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of Elohim on them which fell severity but toward the but toward thee goodness if thou continue in his goodness otherwise thou also shall be cut off hallelujah thank you um just as a backdrop to the story um what apostle paul is, is talking about he's talking about this olive tree and he's making an analogy of the olive tree where um being israel and so he's saying that some of the branches of this olive tree or some of the branches of Israel were broken off and the Gentiles who were a wild olive tree were being grafted in among them okay you know and so it's clear to see that the Gentiles become Israelites you know by taking the place of the branches that were broken off. Mm -hmm. That is by supplanting them. Mm -hmm. So can you see they're a type of Yaakov? Mm -hmm. You know, now, 
even though they became Israelites, um, the Gentiles that became Israelites uh, supplanted natural Israelites, that is, they took the place of the natural Israelites, they must wrestle to hold their place until the break of day, lest they too be cut off. And this is what Apostle Paul is, uh, is, is speaking of when he says, Take heed, lest ye also um, spare not thee, unless he also spare not thee. So, you know, don't boast that you were broken off so that they, um, they were broken off so that you can be grafted in, you know, because they were broken off because of unbelief. You know, so don't be high-minded, but fear. Because you can, you can also be broken off. So he says, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. And he says... For you to continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shall be cut off. You know, and so, you know, when you really think about this, you can see he's also saying, you know, look, you're not saved until you're saved. You're not saved until you're saved. You know, and and so a lot of people, you know, they... They get excited over that, you know, um, you know, being saved, you know, hallelujah, it's a wonderful thing. But, you know, just understand that you're not completely saved until you're completely saved, you know, because even though they became Israel, say if they didn't, you know, take heed and he didn't spare them and they were cut off, would they still be Israelites? No. Would they still be sons of Elohim? No. Would they still be saved? No. no. <laughs> so you're not saved until you're saved. You know, um, so, but I want you to see that they are a type of Yaakov. They are a type of Yaakov. They are a type of supplanter. They're taking the place of those who were broken off. They're supplanting them. They're superseding them. You know, now, Apostle Paul says that some of them can be grafted back in. Hallelujah. You know, so there's still hope. You know, let's take a look at another example. It's found in Luke 14, 16 through 24. It says, Then said he unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have brought a piece of ground. I must need go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen, and I go prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the heart and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Again, you can see that the first guest, which represent Israel, were supplanted by the second group of guests. Even the poor and the maimed, the hawk, the blind, those that was in the highways and the hedges and uh, those that were compelled to come in. Can you see? Yeah. You know, 
They had to become a type of Yaakov. They would take the place of the first group that were making excuses. You know, so if you're going to become Israel, you can be born an Israelite, but you can lose your citizenship to Israel. And if you're not born an Israelite, you can become an Israelite by becoming a Yaakov, that is a supplanter. And you can get in that way. Genesis 32, 25, and when he saw that he prevailed not, you know, this is back um, with Yaakov when he's wrestling with the, with the son of Elohim, with the angel. Uh, it says, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Yaakov's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Mm. Now this teaches us that we must go through great pain to win this match. Don't you think that this match is going to be a cakewalk? It will not. And it's going to last the whole night. So you're going to have to have some endurance. You know, it's teaching us that we must have endurance. You're going to have to be long-suffering. Hallelujah. You're going to have to be long-suffering. You're going to have to have some endurance if you're going to win this battle. You know. And you're going to have to be able to wrestle through great pain. Because I don't know if you ever had a bone out of joint. But it is not something that feels good. It is quite painful, you know, and he had to continue to wrestle with his, with his um, thigh out of joint. You know, so this teaches us that we have to have great endurance and we have to have a high tolerance for pain. Now, seeing that Yaakov or the supplanter won the wrestling match, what did he succeed in doing? What was his objective? What is his nature? Is it not even to supplant? You know, and so this is what he won. He got an opportunity to supplant the son of Elohim. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what he succeeded in doing. Now, in Genesis 32, 26, it says, and he said, let me go for the day break of. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now, he said, let me go for the day break of. So that's meaning that he was wrestling on through the what? Night. Night. So this son of Elohim was a son of Elohim that moved about in the night. Well, what son of Elohim move about in the night when Yahuwah is the light? Right? And in him there is no darkness. You know, so now that Yaakov has won the wrestling match, he now demands compensation in the form of a blessing. Mm -hmm. And he said unto him, what is thy name? <laughs> he says, Yaakov. And he continues on in verse 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Yaakov. Not going to be supplanting no one else after me. <laughs> but Israel, for as a prince, hast thou power with Elohim. And with men has prevailed. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take a closer look at this. For uh, these six words, as a prince has thou power, is all translated from one Hebrew word, which is Sarah, number 8280, um, which means to contend, that is to strive in opposition or against difficulties, to have power, the ability or capacity to act or do something effectively. You know, and so basically what we're being told is that he's being called Israel because 
he had the ability or capacity to effectively prevail over the son of Elohim. You know, now, it continues on and it says, and with men has prevailed. Now, this word prevailed here is Yaakov. And it literally means, it literally means to be able. Literally can or could. You know, so <clears throat> if we if we understand what, what these definitions mean, you know, we can get a, a bit clearer reading. So it says, thy name shall, shall be called no more Yaakov, but Israel, you know, because you have the ability or capacity, you know, to effectively uh, prevail over that son of Elohim. And with men, you are able. You know, so he's able to prevail against this um, Elohim and men. You know, and I want you to know that if you're Israel, you are able to prevail against men. Hmm. Whether it's the man that's in you, that is your own flesh, or the man next to you, across from you, on the other side of time. You know, if you can prevail with, with Elohim, you can prevail against any man. Selah. You know, now, Take note that Yaakov is now called Israel because he has prevailed against the son of Elohim throughout the night. You know, and who's the angel of the night? Job 1.6. It tells us, Now there was a day when the sons of Elohim came to present themselves before Yahuwah, and Satan came also among them. So hereby we learn that Satan is a son of Elohim. You know, and then if we look to 2 Corinthians 11, 14, it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So if he's transformed into an angel of light, that tells us he's not an angel of light. Amen? That's pretty evident, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so we have, we have a son of Elohim that operates in the dark. In Satan. And then when we consider that's what Satan means, i.e. adversary, you can clearly see why Yaakov was wrestling with him. Because he was an adversary to him. You know, and he operates in the night. Hence, he had to go because the day was coming. So, if we're to follow in the footsteps of Yaakov to become Israel, we must first supplant Esau or Edom. That is, we're to first supplant. That is, take the place of our flesh. You know, we have to overcome our fleshly man. We have to supplant them. Our inner man, our spiritual man, that is of Elohim, have to take the place of our outer man or our fleshly man. See, this is the first supplanting that we must do if we're to become Israel, i.e. the son of Elohim. Then we have to supplant the righteousness of of the earthly man and replace it with the righteousness of the word of Elohim even as Yaakov did and in doing so we'll receive his glory and lastly you know as a supplanter we have to supplant a son of Elohim by holding on to him until the break of day that is we have to supplant Satan by holding on to him until Yahshua come back. 
resisting him, prevailing against him, striving in opposition, you know, to him, against any difficulties that he might throw our way until the break of day, until Yahshua comes back. You know, and if we do that, then we'll become Israel. And if we continue on, in verses 29 through 32, it says, And Yaakov asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou asked after my name? And he blessed him there. And Yaakov called the name of the place Pen Peniel, for I have seen the face of Elohim face, for I have seen Elohim face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him. Mm. Hallelujah. Hello, Yahshua. Mm. And he halted upon his thigh. Mm. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not the sinew, which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Yaakov's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Now, if you're still walking the same after you've become Israel, then you've been tricked by the enemy. Because there's no way that your hip, that your thigh is going to be out of socket and you're still going to walk the same. So if you're still walking the same after you become an Israelite, then you've been tricked by the enemy. Because if your thigh is out of joint, you're not going to walk as you did before. Now this picture also teaches us that our walk after becoming an Israelite will become quite challenging. Because if your thigh is out of socket, trust me, it hurts. It hurts. And not only are you going to have, um, you're going to walk different, is you're going to be in pain every time you take a step. So walking is going to be quite challenging. And this is how it is to become an Israelite. This is how it is to become a son of Elohim. Walking in the world becomes quite challenging. And if your walk hasn't changed and if you aren't seeing that challenge or meeting that challenge, then you need to go back to the wrestling mat because something's wrong. Maybe you're not quite an Israelite, i.e. the son of Elohim. Mm -hmm. So... 